Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction each episode the three of us individually bring a fic to talk about brenna what have you got for this episode yes my fic for this week is absence of heat excess of destiny by they call me superboy it is an avatar the last airbender fic um it's soulmates for reasons that you will see in a moment and it's Sokka zuko reed what's yours yeah, so my fic is Follow in Your Footsteps by Sainala. Sainala. I don't know. I'm pulling a nick. I don't know how to pronounce my author's name this week. However, um, wow, folks, what a surprise. We are back in the Steve Tony corner. Uh, this is Marvel. It is a little different. It's Marvel 616, so it's Marvel Comics as opposed to the MCU. But um, yeah, it's Tony till I die. We're back here again. Uh, nick, what is your fic? So this episode, I brought Love Worth Waiting For by Bookland Reeve. It is an Elsa Mulan fic for the fandom General Disney. <laughs> you know that classic fandom General Disney. <laughs> so this episode is um, a themed episode, as you may or may not have noticed, or if you caught the end of our last episode. Um, following our fic click tradition... We are doing a birthday episode. It is my birthday episode, and that means that I get to pick a trope that my co-hosts had to find fix for, and the trope that I picked was soulmates. Um, Woo! Yeah. <laughs> get hyped, everyone. Soulmates. <laughs> um, if you have been here since the early days, and by the early days, I mean before our first episode went up. Um, if you happen to be following us on Twitter <laughs> the at the early, time, early days. <laughs> if you're a true fan, you were around, you know. Um, we put up little, like, teasers for sort of, you know, what to expect for the vibe of this podcast. And one of the little video clips, nope, one of the little audio clips that we put out was us talking about our favorite tropes. And at the time I said soulmates. Um, so I was like, great, my birthday episode, this is going to be the one that I pick. Uh... When I was thinking back on it, I don't actually think I've read, like, a proper Soulmates fic in quite a while. Um, but I have read things like Soul Bond, etc. Um, but also, I spent a lot of my fandom time very much reading a ton of Soulmate fics. Um, so even though it's not a trope necessarily that I have read a ton recently, it's still one that I really enjoy and one that I really liked coming back to. Um, I was thinking a little bit about why I like Soulmates so much um, and why I used to read it so much. And I think more so than any idea of being like destined for one another, like that's nice, but I don't think like that is the appeal of the trope for me. Um, what I really think it is, is that Soulmates heightens other things that I really love in fic. Like absolute staple of fan fiction, mutual pining. Where would we be without it? Um... I just, God, I just love a fic where they both are into each other and just really oblivious about it. And they're like, oh no, but surely this other person can't be into me. The mutual pining is very good. And I think with soulmates that really gets elevated a lot of the time because, um, not to say that like the trope can't be inverted or I haven't read different takes on it, but I think more often than not, the way that the plot generally goes is that one person is aware 
of their soulmate's soul mark or whatever bonds them. Like, they are aware of their soulmate and the other person does not know. And that just leads to a lot of, like, angst and pining, um, which is something that I very much enjoy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this a little bit on the pod, but as much as I love when a fix surprises me, sometimes there is just something about, like, the comforting familiarity of knowing the general shape of how a fic will go, even if the details are different. Like, sometimes I just want to tread the same path I have tread before um, and to know that it is all going to be, like, warm and happy and good at the end. And I think Soulmates is really good for giving me that as well. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I just, I had a lot of fun sort of digging through my options for what I wanted to bring for the pod. I really loved the fix that Brenna and Nick brought. Um, but, yeah, I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on the trope. Soulmates is a bad trope. Wow, we're coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, too hot, I think. <laughs> I don't even believe that. I just wanted to be controversial. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Soulmates, I mean, it is a trope that I generally avoid um, for like a few reasons, but it's not because I don't like it, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, I think I, as a human being, get stressed out by the idea that like anything about the future is decided. And so when it's like, ah, it's my 18th birthday and I'm getting ready for my for my soulmate tattoo to show up and tell me who I will love and it will be beautiful. I'm like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Uh, so I think that stresses me out a little bit and it makes it hard for me to like buy into these stories a lot of the time because I'm like, no, what if I fall in love with someone else? But then I'm labeled a demon by the society that I'm living in and my actual soulmate is so lonely and it's my fault. But what if I love someone else, you know, just like just one of those. <laughs> I can't relate. I've never had that experience. Deeply relatable content. (laughs) (laughs) I think it can be fun. I like how versatile the trope is. And I like that there are so many different iterations of it. Because even though there are some that I'm not always a huge fan of for various reasons, there's still like so many other avenues you can take. There's trope inversions. There's ones that are played for comedy that I tend to enjoy a lot more of like someone has a song stuck in their head and their soulmate has to listen to it or like you're drawing on each other and like messing with each other like that's cute I love a soul bond fic and so I think there's like overlap of things I love there's like the Venn diagram right of like soulmates fic and then like my preferences and there's some stuff in the middle <laughs> which I do I do think is fun and like I I did really enjoy all of the fics for this episode I think they're all like very strong and very fun and did not trigger my anxiety sirens so I did appreciate that. Thank you. I know it's the like having soulmate specific anxieties, I think really wild, but it's just a fact of my life. Well, thank you for feeling like you could share that and be vulnerable <laughs> with us on the pod. Always. Yeah, personally, I can't relate. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I think for myself, like I find it somewhat comforting usually, like I don't know, which is a strange thing because I don't find, like, the general concept of, like, predetermined life, like, comforting. (laughs) But I guess I like the idea that, like, there are some things that are just going to happen regardless. Um, And I like the idea that there are people out there who are, like, meant for you in some way. I think I'm not always a fan of Soulmate AUs where... It's like, everyone has a soulmate, and everything's perfect, and your soulmate will be the perfect person for you. I think I like ones where the author is a little bit more, like, 
to me, realistic about it. Um, and not everyone's soulmate is their perfect match. Um, sometimes it's it's it doesn't work out. Um, sometimes people have lost their soulmates or don't have one. Um, I think I think that kind of stuff makes it feel a little bit more real world to me. Um, but in general, I I really like soulmate fic. I also really enjoy sort of tangentially like soul bond fic, mm-hmm. um, which is like what I would sort of categorize as like you end up with a lot of the same sort of features as soulmates, um, but it's not necessarily like predetermined or predestined. It's something that's like created either like spontaneously or artificially. Um, I think those are also really fun. We're not really getting into them here, but I would love to like revisit sort of the differences between the two and the directions they can take maybe on a later app, but (laughs) for now talking about just straight up like soulmates, like you were born with this person as the one you were going to like end up with in some capacity or Um, people or people. Yeah, exactly. I think the ones we chose follow pretty traditional sort of like, like tropes within soulmates. Like we all chose like soulmate identifying marks. Like each person has like one soulmate and they are romantic, but I've read tons where it's like, you have multiple soulmates. Maybe not all of them are romantic. Maybe none of them are romantic. Like, I think that kind of versatility within it is fun as well. Um, I think for me, like, one of the reasons I like it so much is I like it when it's applied to a pairing who aren't necessarily friends at the beginning. Um, and I mean, I'll get into this one, this, like, when I get into my fic, but, like, my fic is definitely, like, an enemies to lovers fic. <laughs> but I think even if they're just, like, not friends at the beginning or they don't really understand each other or they're people who have to sort of work on their relationship within like canon or the fic like I think soulmates is a really interesting way to sort of add a layer to those dynamics um like I'm thinking back on like a lot of the my favorite ones I've read and they definitely tend to come from pairings where like the two characters yeah like aren't best friends at the beginning um and I think that having that sort of window into each other's like lives or minds or even just sort of having to confront the fact that maybe they aren't as dissimilar as they thought they were like is really interesting to me something that I had completely forgotten about um but remembered as I was doing a little like pre-discussion before this episode with Nicole and Brenna is that um I've actually written three different soulmate fix um all slightly varying tropes um, we were talking about it. I was like, oh yeah, I've like written one. I was like, no, no, wait, two. Oh, well, technically three, I guess, if you count <laughs> like a short little ficlet on Tumblr. Um, yeah, one of them was the like, right on your skin and it shows up on your soulmate. One of them was, um, identifying marks and one of them was, uh, first and last words tattooed on you. Uh, but the last words are only so visible metal. to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's funny, like... I was like, wow, you know, like, I just haven't read Soulmate Fix in a little while, but I really used to love it. And I was like, oh, I actually loved it so much that I wrote three different fix for this trope. So maybe there's a reason that I spent a good amount of time in fandom reading it. But I don't know, Bren, like you said, like, I think more recently I've read a lot more like Soul Bond. Um, but also with like this trope and other tropes, like I, I just enjoy seeing the variety of different ways that people can take the trope. Like, I think there are so many ways you can run with it. Um, and like you said, like, these are a little bit more classic, I think. But there are so many variations on the trope that I find very enjoyable. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to be talking about these different fics, the similarities and the differences between them. 
should we get into our first fic? Hell yeah, let's do it. Woo! Alright, so my fic for this week and for the trope of soulmates is Absence of Heat, Excess of Destiny by They Call Me Superboy. Like I said, this is an Avatar The Last Airbender fic. Um, it is rated G for general audiences. Um, nothing in it, like, really strays far from the canon, which was made for children. <laughs> so there is some, like, romance in it, but I don't think it goes anywhere that, like, you know, a rated G children's animated show would go. <laughs> so, and and for the characters in it, when they get together, it's actually set years after canon, so they are both adults. Anyway, um, I also don't think that there are any content warnings I have for this. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, even most of sort of like the avatar, like content warnings, I don't feel like are super present here. Um, all right. So to get into it, in case you are like, Brenna, what's Avatar The Last Airbender? I don't know that. Or maybe you're saying, Brenna, I see people on my Twitter timeline talk about Avatar The Last Airbender, especially in the last few months since it was put back on Netflix. Here, I'm, in, I'm here to answer all of your questions. Don't worry. Um, all right. So Avatar is a sort of children's animated show that was made a while ago. I first watched it when I was in high school, um, and then I rewatched it now, like 10 years later, <laughs> um, once it was put back up on Netflix during quarantine. Um, but it is set in a world where there are sort of four different nations and certain members of each of those nations can, quote, bend certain elements. It basically means that they have the ability to sort of like manipulate them, wield them as weapons, um, build things with them, depending on the element. Um, waterbenders can like heal with it. It's cool. So there are four different elements in four different nations, uh, water, fire, earth, and air. At the beginning of Avatar The Last Airbender, the Fire Nation has been at war with the rest of the world for about a hundred years. Um, they have completely wiped out the Air Nation, the Air Nomads, um, and are well on their way to having conquered the Earth Kingdom and Water Tribes. We begin with Aang, who is the last airbender. Um, he's a 12-year-old kid who... Um, was discovered in an iceberg, basically, by two of our other characters, Katara and Sokka. They are siblings from the Southern Water Tribe, um, and they basically embark on a journey with Aang uh, to save the world. Aang is the avatar. Um, he is the one only person in the world who has the ability to control all four elements, and he basically embarks on a quest to learn how to master all of them before trying to take down the corrupt Fire Lord, um, Ozai. Along their journeys, they also meet Toph, um, a blind 12-year-old from the Earth Kingdom who becomes Aang's earthbending master. Um, Katara is his waterbending master, and then in the final season, um, one of our other main characters, Zuko, becomes his firebending master. Um, for just a little bit more context, sorry, I know I'm talking a while, <laughs> but, you know, it's just another small TED talk from me, Brenna, here on FitClick. Um, Zuko is the banished prince of the Fire Nation. Uh, they're 
all of these characters range in age from about 12, which is how old Aang and Toph are, to 16, which is how old Zuko is in canon. Um, he has like a really distinctive burn scar over part of his face, which you might have seen in art or in stills from the show on your timelines if you're in fandom. <laughs> um... Yeah, Zuko is banished and told that the only way he can redeem himself is if he captures the Avatar, who is thought to be dead. Um, but, wow, he discovers that Aang is actually alive and basically spends the season trying to capture him. He then spends a second season feeling torn between whether he should try and capture the Avatar and, like, be reinstated as the rightful heir to the Fire Nation throne, or whether he should ditch his evil family and help Aang. Um, in season three, he decides to go with the second option. Um, he helps Aang learn how to master firebending um, and helps Katara take down his evil sister, Azula. Um, all right. So with that context, uh, this fic <laughs> is a soulmate, soul mark fic for Sokka and Zuko. Um, this is like not a pairing I really thought like existed existed but then when I went to look at the tag after I finished re-watching the show I was like oh I emoji there's a lot of really good fic that's been written in like the last few months <laughs> um I will say there's also a lot of really good gen fic for Avatar um I seriously considered bringing one that was um like gen platonic soulmates i read a few where basically all of the like avatar gang have each other's like soul marks um but either they were way too long for this podcast or unfinished whips for a variety of reasons they just weren't the one but if you're interested in that concept i would definitely say go check out that tag there's some really cool well-written things in there um but for now, we'll talk about this other one that I brought. Um, okay, I have a lot more thoughts about like why I liked it, why I chose it. But before I get into that, let's hear from my co-hosts. What did you guys think? Yeah, I really, really loved this fic. Um, much like Brenna, I watched this show in my youth. Um, and then when Netflix came back out with it, I was like, yeah, I almost never watch TV nowadays, but I will take the time to rewatch this one I've already seen two times all the way through. Um... <laughs> I mean, honestly, what else are you going to do these days? It's like, it's. I know it's a good show. I love it. It had been so many years since I watched it. So it was still very enjoyable to watch through again. Um, I think this is the first fic I've ever read for it. Um, I did not go looking for fic for it when I rewatched it again in high school. Yeah, I really, really liked this. I guess like I'm not surprised by this being a pairing. Although if you had like been in the tag... Um, six years ago or whatever you would have seen probably a lot more like Zuko Katara than you would have like Zuko oh, yeah. Sokka um something that I really really liked about this fic is that I felt like it gave its characters more weight than they were afforded in the show um like Avatar as a show tackles some like pretty intense themes and stuff but it is still a children's show um and this fic like not that it gets like super heavy or anything at any point like Bren said that there's no particular like content warnings or anything but I think it was um or it, it did give its characters like space to sort of grow in a way that they weren't afforded on the show um especially Sokka who very much like does have a lot of growth and like has a pretty big character arc but also for a lot of the show more or less is comedic relief um even in his serious moments he's still pretty jokey 
And so I thought getting his POV in this like really gave him um, sort of, yeah, a different perspective than we would have gotten in the show. Um, the writing of this was so good. Um, I don't know. I just, I really, really liked it. It sort of like, it kept uh, raising questions for me as I was reading it and then answering them almost immediately in a way that I really loved. Like I felt very engaged by this fic. So I had a really good time with it. Yeah, I mean, like Aang said in the show, it's easy to do nothing. It's hard to forgive. So, <laughs> I really like this fic. Um, <laughs> Were you just like Googling like Avatar quotes? What? I love this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen every episode. Amazing. I didn't know that, Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen them all, especially in episode 11 of season two, The Desert, when Sokka says... It's the quenchiest. <laughs> big, big fan. This, this list has very um, sporadic <laughs> options. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never seen Avatar The Last Airbender, everyone. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is one of many things that I don't really have the same childhood nostalgia for that I feel like a lot of folks of a similar age to me do. Um, you might ask yourself as you listen to our podcast, like, hey, Nicole, what on earth were you up to as a child? I was reading books and playing soccer. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't know anything about pop culture, and that's valid of me. <laughs> Just wait until we bring, like, a Twilight fic, y'all. I'll be ready. And you say that as if we didn't also read Twilight. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay, fine. Um, but about this fic. Uh, which I enjoyed a lot. I definitely was confused through a good chunk of it. I think I had thought that I had absorbed more about the show via fandom osmosis than I actually did. I was like, I know this. No worries. Like, this is such a, like, cultural staple um, of, like, my youth. Even if I didn't watch it, I knew, like, Appa is the big bison. And Zuko says, that's rough, buddy, because someone's girlfriend turned into the moon and Uncle Iroh is cool and he pours tea for at least one of the other characters. So I was like, I've got this. I'm going in. Let's go. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Yeah. No, it's right. not. <laughs> Which I learned when I read this. <laughs> so I was able to look back at it after Bren gave me a much more um, solid explanation of the show so thank you brenna for taking the time i appreciate it i was like help yeah i've got it all written out in my notes app now so if anyone else needs it just hit me up yeah yeah just ask um but even though i was a little bit confused i think that this fic a had beautiful prose b had a really nice arc that was like not hard to follow and i think c had such a lovely conclusion that like even as someone who didn't fully know what was happening for some of it um like the ending still felt so satisfying and strong so I really appreciated that I enjoyed reading it I mean it's not that long so I wasn't like oh god what am I to do I just like went for it (laughs) um and I did like have a good time and it was fun to be able to look back at some of the lines that I was like uh uh with a little bit more understanding of what was going on Yeah, I mean, that's super valid. Most of this fic does sort of follow canon. So it sort of checks in at points that I think it assumes that you know. (laughs) And then the last few scenes, it jumps forward a few years um, and revisits the characters then. Um, That's actually one of the things I really love about it and what I've really enjoyed about reading a bunch of Avatar fic recently is like getting to see these characters a few years post canon because... 
There are some like sort of uh, additional content that does the same thing. There's like some comics, um, but for the most part, you don't know a whole lot about what happens to the characters, um, sort of in their like twenties and thirties and sort of onwards. Um, you pick up with a few of them much later on in Korra, um, the sort of sequel show, but some of them are also dead at that point, so. Anyway, that's not uh, whatever. The point I was trying to make is I've had a lot of fun reading fix that check in on our characters post canon because there are some additional materials that get into it a little bit, but for the most part, you don't really see them in their 20s and 30s. You see them in their teens. And then if you watched Korra, you might see a few of them much later on in their lives. Um, but I, I, I found it really fun to sort of like get additional, like, views from fic writers like into what they did at post sort of saving the world um and also i think it's interesting to see like how they how how authors sort of navigate like all of the things that they would have had to do to like fix things basically um i mean zuko's like made fire lord at like 16 that's a lot of pressure <laughs> Um, especially when your dad totally fucked everyone over. But anyway, that being said, the fic itself, um, yeah, sort of follows canon. So I think it does sort of presume that you, you know, these various points. Um, and it sort of uses a lot of side characters and, um, various sort of moments from the show to really like, or it like, it kind of takes its own twist on side characters and moments for the show, from the show, um, that helps like illustrate sort of like the differences that canon would have had if they were soulmates. Um, this is also a uh, like soul mark fic where like you are born with a marking that looks like a tattoo um, that somehow sort of visually represents your soulmate. Um, so Sokka is born with a dragon like up the side of his like back and Zuko is born with a sword running down like the entire length of his spine uh, which honestly is pretty badass <laughs> but I guess his family wasn't too happy about it um, but it, it, it's I thought those were cool and um, some of the other characters have soul marks as well like the canon endgame pairing for Avatar is Aang, Katara and in this fic they have matching soul marks as well um I thought that it was interesting too because uh, it sort of puts an extra twist on like Katara and Sokka's like quote unquote destiny in this show. Um, like I think even without having like soul marks or something like that, the show does have a little bit of an air of like these people were meant to meet each other and save the world. You know, like that's sort of what the Avatar is destined to do, and I feel like there is a bit of like his friends are also destined to help him with that. Like, um, how many times has Uncle Iroh been like, Zuko, your destiny, like, yeah. good and evil, they war within you, your destiny, Zuko. Zuko please, you passed out because you thought too hard about good <laughs> and evil. Yeah, or like that time when Zuko was like, step aside, filth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really love you pulling Season one, episode 15, y'all y'all remember? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Um... But yeah, I think, like, the, the addition of the soul mark sort of adds a layer to, like, Sokka and Katara's storylines, especially because both of them are sort of born with these, like, 
impossible and and sad soul marks. Um, like Katara is is clearly the mark of having an Airbender as her soulmate, but the Airbenders are thought to be completely wiped out. Um, so they sort of presume that she just doesn't have one, um, or that they're dead, which is sad. <laughs> and for Sokka, like. I feel like there's a couple different interpretations of it from, like, his tribe versus himself. But, like, I mean, dragons are also also thought to be extinct. So him having, like, a mark of a dragon also isn't, like, ooh, great. It's sort of like, oh, that could be tragic. And he sort of presumes that because firebend- or because dragons are the original firebenders, like, his soulmate is a firebender. And firebenders like, have wiped out a lot of their tribe and killed his mom and have sort of forced their tribe is to live a completely different way of life when like all the men have gone off to war and stuff um so they're both born with these kind of like tragic soul marks but ones that sort of also enable them in the end to like save the world so i thought that was cool like i like that that sort of additional layer onto their stories and i think like that's what i think can be kind of cool about like soulmate fic yeah i really liked the way that soul marks functioned um in the like lore of this fic in particular. Um, I enjoyed that not everyone has a soul mark. And um, I feel like in a lot of fics I read, or a lot of fics that I have read for soulmates, like majority of the population has them and the people who don't sort of stand out in some sort of way. But the thing that this fic um, at least sort of indicates is that it's not uncommon to have them, but it's also not uncommon to not have a soulmate. And... For the Fire Nation in particular, like, that holds a different sort of significance. Like, so much of the show is about Zuko never being as good as his sister, and there's, like, a line about how Azula is unmarked, just like their father. Like, it's just another way that she's the perfect princess, like, the perfect child, and Zuko is, like, yet again a failure. Um, So, like, that lore was interesting to me. And I also really liked that um, the end of the fic implies that soulmates come from the spirit world, and I think that makes, like, perfect sense when you consider the canon of the show um because i think a lot of times in soulmate fix it's just sort of like a fact of the world that never gets explained like why or how it exists um which makes sense like i understand that's not like world building that most authors would want to do or is necessary it's a lot to ask for yeah (laughs) yeah but i think in a world like in a canon in which you already have spirits being like connected you already have the spirit world which is sort of like weird and no one knows how it it functions but it's like very powerful and mystical and all sorts of things like I think it makes perfect sense to have that be the um origin of soulmates in this fic uh so I really liked that like I liked all of the ways that the lore of soulmates was sort of woven into canon in this fic so this fic not only has words it has fan art Done by someone else, I think, but it does have fan art, uh, which is linked at the very end. So I was excited. I was like, all right, let me see what these soul marks look like. Clicked through. A, the art is super cool. I loved their interpretation of like what the soul marks look like and, and how they show up on the body. B, wow, they're so ripped in this fan art. Because <laughs> I feel like I've only ever, because like at, by the end of the fic, um, they're like older than they like ever were in the show. Uh, the show Avatar The Last Airbender, not the show Legend of Korra, as I've learned. <laughs> Much older than that show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, gosh. Like, I I think I had forgotten, so I was imagining, like, 
as I was reading, even toward the end, I was like, like, I know what this art looks like. They are so small. And then I opened the art and I was like, wow, muscles. So that was exciting. I just wanted to mention it because it brought me joy. So this fic goes um, back and forth between Sokka and Zuko's POVs, but it also briefly goes into Pian Dao's point of view. Um, if you do not know who Pian Dao is, essentially there is every like wise old man who guides them on their journey throughout the three seasons belongs to this like secret organization called the Order of the White Lotus. And Pian Dao is one of them. Um He's in the Fire Nation, he's like the most skilled swordmaster that they have, and for a brief amount of time, Sokka ends up as his pupil, and then um, creates a sword, the one that is tattooed on Zuko's back. Uh, he creates a sword with Pian Dao. Um, and when you get to that part in the fic where Sokka goes through this training, it says that um, after they craft the sword, Pian Dao looks at it and says, I've seen this sword before, but doesn't elaborate. And then you get a flashback. Um... And something that is canon in the show is that Zuko is also incredibly skilled with broadswords, um, with dual broadswords. And uh, a little bit of fun trivia from the, like, additional, like, comics and stuff that came out is that he learned from Pian Dao. And so in this fic, uh, it has Pian Dao sort of reminiscing on the Fire Lord bringing a very young Zuko to him and going, you know, you're the most renowned um, swordsmaster, like, do you, do you recognize this sword? And Pian Dao was like, no. But internally, he could recognize that it was a sort of his own make and just one that he had not yet created. Um, and so he knew that, like, someday he would create the sword for the soulmate of Zuko. Um, and so just, like, seeing that come around was so, so delightful. It's uh, kind of what I was saying in the beginning about this fic bringing up questions and answering them immediately is, like, I wondered, I was like, oh, the implications of Pindao being Zuko's teacher, like, is that true? And I Googled it and I was like, okay, it is, like, it's canon lore, just not from the show itself. Um, so that was, like, fun trivia brought in. But also I just thought, like, to see an outside perspective, it's sort of in the beginning middle of the fic. Um, I just thought it was a really nice way to frame the fic, because you're getting, like, Zuko and you're getting Sokka and you're getting, like, all of this angst from both sides. Um, and to get this POV from someone who is an outsider, who has some more insight into the situation and like doesn't choose to say anything I thought was really interesting and also just like I just love Pian Dao like I just listen I love a good member of the Order of the White Lotus love that group love these old men who all know each other um <laughs> I just had a lot of fun with it yeah I think that part's excellent I mean like that's sort of what I was saying about like it sort of takes twists on these moments that happen in canon or these characters um I think one other thing I was thinking about that I really enjoy about this fic, um, yeah, is, is sort of just how overall having this sort of layer of them being soulmates, of having these soul marks, like, changes their narrative. And I think that's sort of what I was getting at in our little intro bit, too, when I said I like it with characters who aren't friends at the beginning. And this fic does more work than the show does, but the show already did quite a bit of work to make them friends by the end. Um, like... Avatar as a show is a big redemption arc for Zuko, and by the end he is friends with all these people who, who in season one he was trying to kill. Um, so the show sort of already has that, but I think having these soul marks means that they sort of have to reckon with their destinies or like what's going to happen a little bit earlier. And I think what's also interesting is their soul marks aren't super obvious that they're each other. Um, Zuko actually realizes it first because he sees the sword that Sokka has and it's like, oh shit. 
that's also the sword that I have like a giant soul mark of on my back like yikes um but Sokka doesn't realize until like years later um because like while the soul mark makes sense for it to be Zuko it also isn't like he had like Zuko written on his body or something like it's not quite that defined um but there are these elements that they already have to sort of be reckoning with throughout this I think like Sokka has to face the fact that he's going to somehow cross paths with someone who belongs to the Fire Nation and who probably is a firebender, like these same people who he spent his whole life hating. Um, and I just like, I like that layer a lot. I think, I think it just like adds even more like emotional depth to this. And I think one of the things Reed was sort of saying at the beginning was like, how this fic gives the characters more, a little bit more weight than the show did because the show like is a kid show. It has to, even though it ha- deals with serious topics, um, and there are, like, serious character moments, it also has to be, like, watchable for, like, you know, kids. Um, or, like, you know, like, kind of preteens, maybe. Um, more so than, like, a five-year-old. It's not, it's not made <laughs> for, like, people that young. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, I think this fic and a lot of the Avatar fic I've read, like, definitely, a lot of it is giving these characters more weight, sort of looking more inside at what these moments and these friendships and these relationships, how they would have impacted them. Um, and one other thing I really liked about it is, like, in regards to, like, how what their soul marks are, how the author chose them, I like that they are not necessarily indicative of who Sokka and Zuko were when they meet, like, season one, episode three or something. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever that first meeting is. um, It's not really indicative of necessarily who they are then, but more of like who they will grow to become. Um, And I think I really like that part of it as well, that it's sort of a future looking destiny. Like it's, it's who you will continue to, to become in this life, like where your path will lead you. Um, And not necessarily just like a fixed state. Like, Sokka doesn't have that sword until, like, season three, so it can't really be indicative of him earlier. Um, Zuko's, I think, makes more sense, but it's also season three that he, like, meets the dragons with Aang and they, like, teach him how to, like, the originals of firebending. Um, it's not till like, much later, post-canon, that, like, he gets a dragon, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, that was just one thing I was sort of thinking about, is, like, I, I really appreciated the author's choice of of what the soul marks were going to look like and sort of what that gestured to in their relationship. Yeah, I think sort of in a similar vein of them like realizing at different times and like figuring things out differently and and evolving into different people. The ending I think was my favorite part of this fic and I love any media where the ending can be my favorite part. I think it's like so nice when you've like gone through everything and then it just feels like such a good payoff. Um, because at the end of this fic, I mean, they, they figure it out, both of them, finally. They're on the same page. Um, and I think they both realize at, at a similar moment how much, like, they have hurt each other intentionally and unintentionally. Um, it, it doesn't feel like a very sharp kind of hurt in that scene, but I think that it's really interesting to see how they did, like, oh, like, you were happy with, like, that person and I didn't want to, like, get involved, so I let you do this thing and that was fine and then I martyred myself for you. And the response is, like, why? <laughs> Which is incredibly valid. And, like, there there are some really nice lines in there. I think my favorite um, was Sokka saying that, like, when you lose something, you look for it. Because, like, 
that's a really nice line and it made me feel really soft and like do i know almost anything about these characters no i just know that zuko said step aside filth in the first season but But, like knowing knowing a little bit about like his backstory it's just very nice to think of this this idea that someone like wants to be with him and like is looking for him it just made me happy as someone who only knows Zuko as like a friend of a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Also, Sokka got to say fuck in that scene, which I appreciated. I don't think that happens in the show, to my knowledge. No, it doesn't. Okay, but great. You're you're right that Sokka should be allowed to say fuck. <laughs> Let him. Of everyone, he deserves <laughs> he deserves to say it once. I think. God, yeah. I just really liked it. I thought that the way that it wrapped up was really nice and. That they figured things out in a way that felt both, like, real and human, but also, like, a nice closure to the story that we got. Yeah, it was, like, fitting. It, it was, like, appropriately fanficy a little yeah. bit. But I think also, you know, like, it felt like a real conversation that two people could have. Um, yeah, so that was my choice for soulmates um absence of heat excess of destiny by they call me superboy um a really lovely little sort of pseudo character study about Sokka and Zuko um as people who in this canon have soul mark tattoos of each other um and how that would impact their relationships um and their relationship post canon so I had a lot of fun with it. I was really excited to like bring this fandom too. Um, this is like something new and something that I've enjoyed for a long time. So yeah, thanks for reading it with me. So my fic this episode is Follow in Your Footsteps by Sinala. It is a Marvel 616, so a Marvel Comics fic. And it is, of course, Steve Tony. Um, because what else would it be? This fic I picked because this author um, actually has another Marvel Comics Soulmates fic that I absolutely adore, but it was 70k, and so I thought maybe a little long for this podcast. Um, it's an author that I've followed, I think, since like the beginning of my Marvel fandom days. Um, they are very prolific, and this fic has a... Uh, over 9,500 kudos, so qu- quite a popular one in the tag. For the most part, this fic, I think, is not that hard to follow if you have sort of basic MCU knowledge. Um, what you sort of need to know is that Steve Rogers was born in the 20s. Um, he fought in World War II. He, uh, in an effort to save the world, crashed a plane into the ice. Everyone thought he was dead. He was frozen for a very long time. Um, and then he awakens in the, I'll say modern century because, uh, at the time of comics, like, it changed a little bit, but, um, he awakens in, in sort of the new era. Um, and for Soulmates Fix, when it's Steve Tony, that often leads to a plot line of, um, oh no, my soulmate is from another time and I'll never get to meet them. Um... The difference with 616 in particular is that um, Steve Rogers and Captain America had their identities separate, so Steve's, like, actual identity was always kept hidden from the public. Um, Captain America was sort of known as this, like, semi-mythic figure, like, people knew that he existed, um, that he was a super soldier in the army, but nobody knew who the person was behind it. Um, 
And this doesn't come into play as much in this fic, but Tony similarly, um, in the comics originally, uh, nobody knew that Tony Stark was Iron Man. They thought that Iron Man was his bodyguard. And so Iron Man was a member of the Avengers team, and they just thought Tony was the uh, billionaire inventor who built them some weapons and bankrolled them, basically. Um, So, yeah, this fic essentially is uh, Tony... um, finding this the name on his wrist which is steve rogers and trying desperately to find who his soulmate is um discovering that it was someone who was born in the 20s and then um getting an inexplicable call from uh nick fury from shield saying can you come to dc i have some very classified information to share with you i wouldn't really say there are any content warnings for this fic um homophobia is in the tags it is sort of referenced because howard stark is the worst. Um, my hot take, he's a bad dad. So there's sort of a reference to the fact that he's not pleased that Tony has a man for a soulmate. Um, but I don't really think it gets into it that much, to be honest. Um, so I guess that's my my preface for the fic. Like I said, I wanted to bring this because I love this author. Um, I love a lot of their work. I thought this fic was just like, I was just so tender for so much of it. Um, I mean, sort of like I said in the intro, one of my favorite things about soulmates is the way that it heightens other tropes. And I think for me, um, when you take not just like mutual pining, but when you take a thing where it's like, oh no, like this person who was sort of like meant for me is someone who I will never get to meet. It's just like, wow, this is so tragic. And then as the reader, you're like, spoilers, I know that actually you will get to meet. Like Steve is going to wake up. Um, So like I said, it it, it kind of... um, in a very comforting way and in a way that I very much enjoy. It sort of treads a path that is familiar um, and that I really like. Um, I just also, Ficklets, if you've listened to other episodes, you're familiar. Stony Till I Die. I am going to do my best to bring you some variety in the future in the pod, but for my birthday episode, I just wanted to be in this corner for a little bit. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I really liked this fic, but I also would love to hear what my wonderful co-hosts thought about it as well. You have wonderful co-hosts? Well, sometimes. Oh, okay. That's so rude. <laughs> Reed, this is the most you fake you could have possibly brought for your birthday, so I'm glad <laughs> that you did. When I, like, received the link, I was like, uh-huh. I see, I see. <laughs> this feels right. Um, I had a good time reading it. I thought it was it was fun. It definitely did that thing of like, oh, I think I know that they're actually going to meet. <laughs> so you can take your angst and shove it, Tony. No, he's allowed <laughs> to feel his feelings, I think. But <laughs> I just thought it was funny that like we're building up to this moment that like everybody knew was coming except for Tony and Steve. And I mean, I guess most other people in the fic as well. But outside of the fic, we knew. Um, I, I was surprised when Tony became Iron Man. I don't know why. Like, I got to that part of the fic and I was like, oh, shoot, he still has to become Iron Man. (laughs) It just caught me off guard. This happened last time, too, when we were reading Dreaming Through the Decades. Mm -hmm. I forget what episode that was, but. It was for Brenna's birthday episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dream sharing episode. Yeah, I read it and I was like, oh, my God, Tony is Iron Man. (laughs) We just realized that we've now done Marvel fix, I think, for all three of our birthday episodes. Oh my god. It wasn't Stony for Nick's, but no. I did bring a Marvel fix. I for banned MCD. Stony from my birthday episode. 
Get out of here with your stony nonsense. We were stuck until I I live in that episode. Tony Bucky believer. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you're Tony Bucky. Fascinating. And given that Brenna brought a Stucky fic, I mean, I can I can bring a Tony Bucky fic if you want one. Um. (laughs) Yes, I enjoyed this fic. I thought it was a good time. I have a lot of things to say about how the whole soulmate situation worked in it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely second Nick. This is. Some of the most read on brand read <laughs> fanfic that Reed could have possibly brought. <laughs> um, so you gotta love that, especially for a birthday app. I mean, like honestly, where can you be more on brand than on your own birthday? Yep. Um, I did also realize that I have read this previously. <laughs> I think this also happened with one of the other fix. Um, Reed brought. Oh, I think with Dreaming Through the Decades, which this has a similar vibe to, I think. We've referenced um, it twice. I feel I just want to briefly, if you have not listened to that episode, um, mm-hmm. the fic that I brought for Brenna's birthday episode is a Steve Tony Soulmates, but it's also Dream Sharing, which was Brenna's trope. Um, just in case you haven't listened to that one, I just wanted to <laughs> fill you in. Thanks. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I realized like, halfway through both of those fics that I was like, oh, I've read this before. <laughs> I mean, I did spend a significant amount of time reading MCU fic or Marvel fic, um, so it's not that surprising, but yeah, I mean, I feel like this one was just, like, really classic. Um, it's fun to read fic that's set in the comics instead of in MCU, because I don't know the comics that well for, um, like, Steve and Tony. Um, I know them a little bit better for some of the other characters, but not really for them. Um, and like, I kind of also forget, like, <laughs> at the end of this, or towards the end of this fic, um, they discover Steve's body in the ice. Um, and the other people who are, like, on the Avengers with Tony, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that it'd be, like, a different team because it's 616 and not MCU. Um... But yeah, so like there's just little things like that where I'm like, wait, right, like I'm reading something different. <laughs> but overall, I thought it was really fun. I think it definitely has that, like, I know something the characters don't feeling that I think is really present in a lot of Steve Tony fic um, and other, like, Marvel fix. I think the same thing is also present in like Steve Bucky fic where like Steve doesn't know Bucky's been alive the whole time or whatever but like yeah just that feeling of like ooh, I know something they don't is always like satisfying I think <laughs> um even when you know like how it's gonna play out kind of um but yeah I thought this was really fun I think it's it yeah it was just like a really classic example I think of both Steve Tony is a pairing, like, soulmates, name on wrists, like, all of that jazz all together. Yeah, when you were talking about sort of the, like, ooh-hoo-hoo feeling of, like, knowing things and also, like, comics fic, something that I just, I think is so funny about this author's other soulmate fic, the 70k one, is that it's, like, a first words fic, and when Steve wakes up, it's Iron Man there, and Iron Man speaks to him, and Steve is, like, oh god, I have a robot for a soulmate until they have to, like, explain to him that Iron Man is, like, a person inside (laughs) the suit. Um, But so much of that fic is spent, like, um, with you, the reader, knowing that Tony is both Tony Stark and Iron Man, and, like, watching Steve be like, oh god, like, I know that Iron Man is my soulmate, but he hasn't said anything, and also, like, why am I so attracted to Tony Stark? I can't do that, I have a soulmate, and he's maybe a robot, (laughs) like... 
those feelings are just really elevated. Um, but I think there's something fun about comics canon in particular. Like, like I said, like I actually, I don't think you need to know a whole bunch about the comics in order to read this fic and understand it. But I think like, comics does provide a fun space for fandom to play in. Um, especially given that there's just simply so much of it. And so like fandom loves to like pick and choose what canon, like, they consider real um or like what canon you want to apply to your fic or your fandoming um and that's especially true when you have just decades worth of conflicting comic stories one thing that i really liked about this fic and that i thought was really fun was the way that the names on the wrist were like chosen i guess by the universe at large i just there's something that is so inherently funny to me about like naming your child anthony and then somewhere another child has already been born and had the name tony on their wrist <laughs> i don't know something about the nicknaming which is cracking me up like what if steve had gone by like steve-o or something would, <laughs> would tony have steve-o rogers on his wrist I mean, I think, yes, this is the point that it's how they sign their names. So yeah. Steve went by Steve-O and wrote Steve-O. I think that's what he would have gotten. I'm sorry, I don't know what's so funny about it. My soulmate, Steve-O Rogers. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve-O Rogers? No, Steve-O. No, Steve-O. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why it makes me laugh so much. I just really enjoyed that. I mean, because there is something, like we talked about this in the last fic as well, too, like this idea that your truest self is what is represented in a soulmate, like mark on someone else's body, right? It's like not the way other people see you necessarily, but it's how you see yourself and how like you want to represent yourself because um, the universe just knows. But it's just that good. Yeah, it's just that good. <laughs> But I don't know, it just really made me laugh when I, like, went on a thought spiral about it and just, like, that mechanic in general and how it operates as a soulmate fic. Um, yeah, on on the on the same sort of note of things I found funny about this fic and its world building <laughs> is this fic, more so than a lot of the ones I've read, seems to take soulmates very seriously, like the world at large, the society of it. Because I think in a lot of them, like it is taken seriously, and um, like it's, but I think it it sort of differs as whether it's more of like a spiritual thing or like maybe it's important in some cultures but not in others. And this one, it seems to be have been like codified in law that it is important and I found that really entertaining um because basically Tony starts doing all this searching about Steve and he starts digging through um the like U.S. Army archives (laughs) U.S. Army archives um for some info about uh about Steve like he he starts finding some and he goes looking for more and more and at some point uh, Fury contacts him and is like, hey, so I hear you're the one who's been looking for info on Steve Rogers. And Tony's like, ah, like I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's all my dad, <laughs> even though it wasn't. Um, but then Tony is invited to DC to like meet with Fury. And basically he meets with like an like assistant of some sort um and she basically had like confirms like his soul mark uh, to some like paperwork that they had had with like steve's signature on it and is like okay great and then just basically hands him all of these belongings that belong to steve and i was like one this is baffling they just got these because it's like 
it's it's the U.S. government. Like, when has bureaucracy ever been this efficient? <laughs> never. <laughs> and two, just the idea that like they're gonna hand over all of these belongings and like also what's in the Smithsonian and stuff to this like eighteen year old who. I guess now has legal control over all of Steve's estate because of, like, the name on their wrist. I was like, damn, all right, this is, like, serious, serious here. Well, also with that scene, what I found so funny is that, like, Tony goes to DC still not knowing why he was invited. And so there is this whole thing with the assistant where the assistant's like, you know, like, yeah, you can take whatever you want from the Smithsonian, but obviously, like, they hope that, like, you'll let them keep the collection. And Tony is like, what are you talking yeah. about? They and she's really like, appreciate oh. it if you only took like what you really, really like wanted and needed, and anything else would remain in the collection. <laughs> and he's like, what? And then the assistant is like, oh, I guess Fury didn't tell you that your soulmate is Captain America. And Tony was <gasps> like, nope, not quite. Um, <laughs> Such a good moment. I feel like that's exactly where if this is a TV show, it would just like cut to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell you. Your soulmate is Captain America. That's where it cuts. That's the cliffhanger for the end of an episode, maybe the end of a season. Oh, Oh, yeah, I agree. That's that's because I was thinking like if it was a end of episode, it might just be like, oh, they didn't tell you. And then like the next episode, you get Mm -hmm. the realization of who it is. But I think for end of season, that's a really good cliffhanger. It's pretty good. Hey, Marvel Studios, contact us. If you want to adapt this, we're happy to consult. Uh-huh. I know that you have like a lot of TV shows already, but like this one fic, we've got the perfect season ending cliffhanger for, for that you. Steve Tony series. I know you have in development right now. <laughs> for that Steve Tony series that definitely is set on the comics and not what you've already generated mm-hmm. within MCU. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, okay. On that note, though, um, something I was thinking about. So, okay. So one of the possessions that tony does get is a letter from steve um that steve wrote him um while he's like in the war and it basically starts off by saying like tony like if you're reading this like that means that i've died um and it's like it's a very bordering on melodramatic um but sort of feels right for this fic and for this trope a letter about like how much he loves tony um there's like a bit where like he says like he basically had to like lie about how he felt about his soul mark because of like the army not being chill with people having like um with him having like a man's name on his wrist um but he says like if i could have told the like if i could have told everyone i would have like please like if we've won the war like tell people i want the whole world to know that i loved you um which like steve oh it's very romantic (laughs) (laughs) steve oh um But there's a part of the letter also where Steve basically says, like, if you're reading this letter, that means we don't get to be together in, like, this universe, but I believe that there's another one where, like, we will. And, um, you know, on the surface level, it's a very, like I said, like, it's kind of like a sappy, cheesy thing to put in this very romantic letter. And, like, it makes sense for soulmates, like, you're predestined and whatever, and you'll find each other in whatever reality. But I thought this was particularly fun, um, considering that this is a comics fic and that, comics canonically has not only a bajillion branching timelines but also um the reason it's called marvel 616 is because 616 is the number like earth that is designated to where the majority of comics take place because there are many 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 earths in many 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 parallel realities so at least 615 at least 615 actually more than that um oh but yeah so earth 616 is where like 
most of the comics as we know it take place. Um, but what I really enjoyed is there is a parallel universe that we got just a small glimpse of in one comic. Um, it is Earth 3490. And in Earth 3490, everything is exactly the same as it is in Earth 616. But the only difference is that Tony Stark was born a woman, still becomes Iron Man, still whatever. And in this alternate reality, um, Tony Stark, or I guess I think it's Natasha Stark and Steve get married. Uh, and then Civil War doesn't happen because they're married. And so actually they work out all their differences and they're fine. Um, Heterosexuality conquers all. It's just says Marvel it is comics. <laughs> so absolutely wild to me. Um, no, but I just like one. I just think that parallel universe is ridiculous. But two, I thought in Steve's like in the face of Steve's letter where he sort of was like, I hope that in another universe we are happy. I just thought that was like a really nice parallel to comics and the way that they work and the fact that there are multiple realities. So one thing that I really loved about this fic was um, toward the end. Uh, as you may have been able to guess if you are a Marvel fan, uh, Captain America comes back and he wakes up and he's no longer a Popsicle Man. So as he's waking up, um, the Avengers of the comics first, which include the Wasp. Love mm-hmm. her. I've never seen anything with her in it, but I think she's great. Um, well, I guess, okay, she's in Infinity War, I guess, technically, but like, whatever. Um, anyway, she's there, but okay, if I'm remembering this correctly, Reed, feel free to jump in if I am botching my facts. Okay. The Avengers don't even know that Tony Stark is Iron Man. They do not. They know, they know them separately. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Captain America, aka Steve Rogers, he wakes up, he opens his eyes, and he sees Iron Man in a suit, and they're just like, you know, doing their thing, but then... Tony's like, I only have one chance to do this right. So he takes off his helmet and in the background, the other Avengers are like, Tony? But he has his beautiful moment where he's like, Steve, it's me. (laughs) And they get to be in love happily ever after, I assume. Thank you. I (laughs) assume. I just thought it was so fun. Oh, no, I agree. It it is so funny. Like, um, I think I said this in the intro that like, Tony's secret identity like tony and iron man being different doesn't really come into play in this fic but it is absolutely hilarious to think about like tony having this like big pivotal moment steve who has just awakened from a many decades long stint in the ice and like the rest of the team like like tony's like okay like i have to nail this like first impression meanwhile the rest of the avengers are like our boss is iron man hello like (laughs) the man that we interact with like every once in a while who were like we broke another weapon sorry can you build it better like is our teammate like that is just so delightful to imagine that happening in the background of all of this or like in the lines that would take place like directly after where this fic ends where everyone's yeah. like okay hold on back <laughs> up a little bit here no backing up only beautiful poetic moment where the music swells because it's a lot to take in for the other avengers both that like tony is iron man and that tony who is iron man is soulmates with Captain yeah. America, who is Steve, who is alive. <laughs> <laughs> like, personally, I might just pass out, I think. <laughs> it's not even your big dramatic moment. You're no, just sort of I'm just like, okay, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a superhero, I guess, but I'm easily overwhelmed. What would your superpower be? Hmm. I don't know. I think I, I think I want, I think I want one that was gifted to me via radioactivity, though. Ah. Okay. I think those are always funny <laughs> like i like this 
some someone back back in the day was just like, yes, I know how people can get superpowers. Radioactive material. And now there's like a lot of superheroes who got their powers via radioactive materials. Even though I think usually they probably just like make you sick or kill you. So yeah. anyway, I think it'd be dope. Um, yeah, yeah. Like maybe maybe something Spider-Man adjacent. I think that'd be fun. Mm. Ooh. Mine very would be fun. kicking people really hard in the leg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can you can you kick them anywhere else? <laughs> well, I can, but it's not as hard. Oh, okay. Is yeah. that a superpower? Like Yes. Can you not can you not as like a person right now, could you not just like well, kick I people can really kick hard someone, in the leg? Like medium hard in the leg, but like my superpower would be that I kick them like really hard in the leg. Like I go flying across the room. Yeah, 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 leg. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Snap your femur like a toothpick. Reed, what about you? Um I feel like whenever if I'm ever taking like a quiz, like a BuzzFeed quiz or a U quiz or whatever, and it asks this question, the one that I always look for because I think it would be fun is shape shifting. I always thought that would be wow. a very fun one to have. I always pick teleportation on those quizzes, but I think in actuality I'd want something a little bit weirder. <laughs> I yeah, listen, if I couldn't have shape shifting, I'd want like I'd want some like fun like energy beam something. I don't really know what I need that to look like, but I think it would be fun to like shoot lasers out of my palms. Ooh, I'd yeah, like exactly. to be able to shoot like radioactive slime out of my palms. <laughs> yeah, I love this for you. <laughs> I really you. hate it actually. <laughs> no, I think if I, I don't wanted, like that if at I was all. gonna be a superhero, I want to be a slightly unsettling one. <laughs> That Piglets, please maybe more in. than slightly. <laughs> please, like, tweet at the pod or um, hit us up in Discord. Like, let us know what your superpower would be. Mm-hmm. Bonus points to you if it is slightly unsettling. Mm. Well, okay, yours is also slightly unsettling, Nick. Like, why can you <laughs> kick them so hard in the leg, but not if you kick them in, like, the stomach? <laughs> it's just how it works. I think that's unsettling. Yeah. No, it doesn't always have to be, like, a big explanation. Sorry, I'm also trying to imagine. I, I tried to think of a superhero name, and the only thing my brain gave me was <laughs> leg kick Nick. <laughs> Mine was leg pounder. Yeah, I like that. I hate that. I'm just going to be called Slime Girl. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> following your footsteps is a. Really classic Steve Tony fic, a very classic example of a soulmate's fic, um, and according to my co-hosts, I guess a classic read pick as well. So, crushed it, I guess, for my birthday episode. Good job, me. <laughs> um, you know, I really like this fic a lot. Um, I think it holds a lot of nostalgia in a lot of ways as well. Um, yeah, and I hope if you read it that you enjoy it as well, ficlets. My pick for this episode is Love Worth Waiting For by Bookland Reeve. It is an Elsa Mulan fic, uh, that classic pairing Elsa and Mulan. You know, you always see them and you're like, wow, I wonder what's going on here. Now's your chance <laughs> to learn a little bit more. Uh-huh. Uh, the fandom is just general Disney. I would say it definitely applies to both of the films um, that Elsa and Mulan respectively come from. But there are some other characters from like, the the general Disney universe that um, are characters in this fic. So I think uh, Disney general is a good summary of it. So like Reed's pick, this has the 
you have your soulmate's name somewhere on your body and this fic it's on your hand um but the twist is that mulan's name on elsa's hand is in chinese and elsa's name on mulan's hand is in uh unspecified language it's like sort of implied to be the kind of english interpretation of a scandinavian language so do with that what you will the author talked about it a bit either way the idea is that elsa and mulan both cannot read the script of their soulmate's name so they're not sure if it even is a name if it's just like lines if it's um a person and if it is a person like who are they how do i find them pretty complicated so that sucks um a little bit of backstory um, on Elsa and Mulan. If you're not familiar, Elsa is one of the main characters of the movie Frozen. She is uh, a princess uh, heir apparent to the throne uh, who has fancy ice powers. Uh, at a young age, she is made to feel as though she is a dangerous monster because of her powers. She doesn't have great control over them. And um, as an adult, ends up isolating herself far away in her own little ice palace to keep everyone safe away from her. By the end of the film, you know, she comes back. She, like, takes the throne. It's great. We love her. Um, so that's Elsa's situation. Uh, Mulan, if you're not familiar, I'll give you the the real short version here. <laughs> like you, this, is, this is the short version to orient you. If you want to know more about Mulan, then you can look her up. Um, but Mulan, in the film, at least, um, because there's, like, many, many stories of, about Fa Mulan, uh, is a young girl who her father is essentially um, drafted into the Chinese military and he is like old and ailing and because he's the only man in their family he's the one that is sort of selected. Mulan ends up posing as a young man and taking her father's place so that she can go and fight and then she saves China. Uh, we love that for her. She's great. So they really do though. Like yeah. Mulan is one of the best Disney yes. quote unquote princesses. Absolutely. I fully agree agreed. That. Yeah. We all know. So I, I do love the galaxy brain that was putting these two together because like, yeah. wow, I wouldn't have thought to do that. Um, but yeah, I don't have any content warnings really for this fic aside from a, a little bit in the first chapter, it goes really deep into Elsa's backstory. Um, so at least the emotional sort of impact of her backstory. And she does carry some trauma from being like labeled as an outsider and dangerous and like monstrous. So it does get into that. If you're sensitive to that kind of a thing, just know that going in. Um, otherwise, nothing really. So those are my notes on this fic. What did y'all think about it? Yeah, I thought it was super fun. I truly did not know what to expect going into this one. Um, I've I have actually read a couple Mulan fics because I think there were some in past Yuletide collections. Um, and like like I said, Mulan is a really cool character. So I was curious to see what, pe- what fic people had written about her. Um, and I had enjoyed those, but I think they were both on the shorter side. And I've never read any other sort of like Disney fic. I've never read anything for Elsa or Frozen. So I had no idea like how she would come through as a character in fan fiction, um, how these two sort of like worlds and stories were going to be like meshed together because there's like there's similarities between them in that like they're both Disney stories and have some similar like beats on a path of like growing up and like finding your destiny and like taking like, I don't know, saving the world a little bit or saving your kingdom. 
Mm-hmm. Protecting your family. Protecting your family. Yeah, definitely. But I wasn't really sure, like, the two places they are are, like, across the world. Because, I mean, Mulan is set in an actual historical real-world place, being China. But um, Frozen is set in sort of, like, a fictionalized version of some Scandinavian country. But, like, you definitely know it's supposed to be somewhere in that region. And it's like, okay, those places are not easy to get to and from in this time period. Also, <laughs> as far as I know... Yeah, which like, time period? <laughs> yeah. I think Mulan, like, his, like if, if we're taking, like, the reference points within the Disney movies as canon, I think it's, like, a thousand years apart. <laughs> but that doesn't hey, matter if Stoney taught because... us anything, we can overcome time gaps. Yeah. It's no issue. I was just thinking that. <laughs> um, but for all of those reasons and more, I was like, how is this going to work? Like, I really did not know what to expect at all. Um, and then I was really delighted. I think somewhat similarly to what Reed was saying about um, the Avatar fic I brought, like, this one just gives a lot more emotional weight to the characters. Um, and I think just, like sort of adds layers to their personality to like the weight of these choices that they've made um and and the soul mate marks as well sort of add in new layers to them as characters um but yeah i found it really rewarding in that respect to read about these two um i thought the author did a great job like keeping parts of them that make sense to like the original like movies that they're taken from but also making them feel a little bit more, like, a little bit older, a little bit more grown up. Um, this is, I think, set after, like, respectively Mulan and Frozen 1. I think it was written before Frozen 2 came out. So yes. <laughs> just for context there, for anyone who's like, what about Frozen 2? <laughs> all, all the Frozen 2 stands it. out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling. Listen to this. Um, but yeah, it was so fun. Like, I, it's a nice sometimes to read about women. <laughs> um, they're like, yeah, they're very like in love here without like being able to talk about it, <laughs> which, you know, it, it was just like, I just had a great time with this, especially because I didn't know what I was going to get like going in. Um, I think that kind of made it even better in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think similarly, um, I had absolutely no idea what to expect going into this um probably added by the fact that i have never seen frozen um and uh maybe i guess similar ish to nick's experience with the avatar fic like i really thought that i had picked up enough frozen pop cultural knowledge that i was (laughs) like i do not need to research going into this fic and the very beginning at least is very much rooted in the canon or like makes a lot of references to the canon and I was like okay never mind to wikipedia I go time to read a summary of this movie um but that being said like I really loved this fic it just surprised me in so many ways um we've talked a little bit before on the pod about how sometimes fic can read very much just like original fiction and this fic was really interesting for me because on the one hand like it does feel very closely connected to the canon that it pulls from. Um, On the other hand, like, maybe this is because it takes place, like, after the movies or whatever it is, but it really held that feeling for me of sort of being original fiction or riding that line that I think some fic does. Um, I don't know. I I think the tone is, like, so different from what the tone of the movies is. Um, Whatever it was, it felt like it it did 
like um a very good job of like pulling from canon and having that as its base and yet going in a direction that just made it feel so fresh and different and new um that i really liked and that really worked well for me um also yeah i just appreciated how absolutely gay this fic was um i really loved that uh when you're in elsa's pov and she's like looking at mulan her whole brain is basically like hot buff 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 and hot my soulmate is so strong oh my god what do i do with myself um and then on mulan's end um in the years before she meets elsa i'm sure we'll get into it later but basically she is sort of in this like future arranged marriage with shang um and when he like base when he asks her to marry him in her in her head she's like ah i hate men i have no interest in men and then she's like okay because she sort of has to or at least feels um like bound to um like i said we'll get into that later but it just this fic was so gay and i really really loved that um so yeah absolutely not what i was expecting at all if i even had any expectations um but i had a very good time with it yeah, I think there is so much to love about this fic, and I think we're going to get into more of that. But I did want to share something that I struggled with a little bit with this fic, um, which was in the first chapter especially, I think, um, there was an interesting kind of push and pull between the reality that like Elsa would be experiencing in like Arendelle, which is like the fictional place that she's from, and also just like the reality of the world. And I had a hard time... Um, finding that balance, I think, because in that first chapter, there's a lot of discussion of the Chinese script on Elsa's hand being described as like chicken scratch or just like lines or like meaningless. Um, And so I do think like on the one hand, would Elsa in that time really have no idea if this is even language? Like maybe Um, if we're thinking about like an incredibly homogenous, very isolated Arendelle. Um, which seems to be implied by this story and the way that it's written. But I think on the other hand, too, like there are real world issues of like exoticization and othering and xenophobia that I had a hard time separating um, because I don't know that that's a thing that you can really do. So I think there's there was that balance there that I noticed as I was reading. I really appreciated that we got Mulan's POV because I thought it was very strong and she felt like a very well-rounded character and it made me feel a little bit better about um, the author's intentions. But I think some of the impact of the way that that first chapter did occasionally veer into a little bit of exoticism, that was something that like I wanted to mention while we were talking about this. Yeah, Nick, I think that's a good point, too, because um, even though we get Mulan's POV and even though we get the fact that she can't read what the name on her hand says, I think um, Elsa's like written name is treated more as a name, even though Mulan can't read it, than like... Mulan's name on Elsa's hand is by the society like I don't know it's not always super clear how Elsa herself feels about it but like it is clear how her like parents and other people feel about it um yeah and I think like even though it's clear that it wasn't the author's intention I think the difference in how even the people around Elsa react to it sort of yeah reinforces like just real world issues of of difference in language and difference in written language as well. That being said, though, in other regards, I really liked how it mirrored like real world more than Disney. <laughs> um, I think, like I was saying, I, I didn't really know what to expect out of this fic. And I think 
one thing that was kind of interesting as a reading experience was that for the most part in my brain when I was reading it like I'm someone who generally like it it plays out in my head as I'm reading the words um and so visually in my brain it looked very real world like it looked very much like a live action version <laughs> of of this fic but then sometimes like Elsa or Mulan's little animated sidekick buddies would like appear and then my brain would like glitch a little bit <laughs> cuz it'd be like ooh like Mulan getting off her ship and I'm like imagining like this harbor against the set of like these big like glacial mountains and and she's getting into like the port of Arendelle and she's walking off this and in my brain like Mulan and all the soldiers are like very much like live action actors sort of looking and then it's like Mushu and I'm like oh right yeah (laughs) like like, Olaf starts waving and I'm like yeah I like for some reason I can't my brain won't turn like Mushu or Olaf into like real world looking versions of themselves (laughs) well like how could it like well it could be like a little dragon in like sort of more of a non-animated style you know or like a little sure. snowman in a non-animated a style but snowman non-animated speaking is horrifying to me. <laughs> that, I that, that has that to be the plot of some <laughs> horror movie yeah yeah you're not wrong <laughs> but i just found that kind of a fun reading experience and like i don't it was it was it was fun overall to sort of ha- have this like image in my head of them not necessarily as these, like, animated children's characters, but, like, as these sort of, like, real-world women. I think, like, part of the reason, too, why it felt, like, why why it did feel more real-world is I think the author put, like, a lot of care into sort of, like, describing, like, them and what they're going through and also, like, their settings. Like, I felt very deeply rooted in this fic, like, in a sense of place, um... Which I think eh, we might have talked about before on the pod about how that can be very difficult to do. Um, so I liked that a lot. And I'm thinking about, like, this is just a funny note, but there there is an author's note in, um, I want to say it's at the end of chapter three or four. Like, it's one of the earlier ones um, where it's describing Arendelle and it's, like, describing parts of the castle and, like, where Elsa is. And the author's note goes... It's poorly designed in the movie, and I'm giving it all the proper parts so it has a keep now and a properly fortified barbican. Arendelle's a tiny nation, and there are Vikings in the world. Which, that just brought me so much joy, because I was like, first of all, I love that this author, like, clearly has a bone to pick with Disney, and it's, like, accuracy or non-accuracy in representing um, Arendelle. But also, like, I don't know, that's so fun for me, like, when you can tell, like, an author is clearly enjoying, like, building up the world around the fic. Yeah, I don't know. I liked that a lot. Yeah, one thing I loved about this fic also was some of the writing just goes really hard, especially considering it's ostensibly a fic about Disney princesses. Um, and I think I think those bits that really stuck out to me also lended a lot of um, depth to both the individual characters and sort of like the worlds that they live in. Um, I think there's a line from Elsa's POV towards the beginning of the fic that was like, her entire life has been one single grave miscalculation, which is live alone in the forest because there's no one in the human world who loves them. Um, and I was like, okay, all right. I mean, like, you know, I've seen Frozen and I've seen Frozen 2, so I kind of get what else is all about. But that goes a lot harder than, like, what Disney says about her. <laughs> and I think, like, starting off with a line like that really gives you a lot of insight into her, like, mental state, um, how she feels about, like, herself, her family, her kingdom, her, like soul mark um all of that 
And then I think in Mulan's POV, uh, there's a line where she's thinking about Shang and what she knows about him and his, like, soul mark. And it says, Mulan knows what it says. She was there with him when he found out his match had been killed in the mountains by Shan Yu. He'd fallen to his knees in the sooty snow and cried the way a man was only permitted to cry once. The stiff, cold hand with his name written not across it pressed to his forehead. And again, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like... This fic is, like, not at all about Shang. He's very much, like, barely there. Um, but this line and that that sort of offhanded comment about him, I think, showed me a lot about the society that Mulan is living in. Like, the importance that it puts on soul marks. Like, just the idea that that's the one time a man is permitted to cry like that just hit me unexpectedly hard and made me really sad for this character that we barely know. Um, and, like... Obviously, I wanted Mulan and Elsa to end up together, but it also kind of made me sad about Shang in general. Like, I was like, shit, like, his first soul, like, his soulmate was killed, and then he thinks he'll have some sort of okay relationship with Mulan. It's probably not love. Both of them know that, but, you know, it's it's building some sort of life together, and then she's like, bye! found my soulmate and she's a queen (laughs) (laughs) well yeah because when we're in mulan's point of view like you find out that um the way that the matchmaker works in this fic as opposed to the movie is that like the matchmaker helps you find your soulmate but if she can't find your match then by the time you hit 30 you're just expected to marry someone who is unmatched um and so for mulan she has this like name on her hand that she absolutely can't read and then as you said, Bren for Shang, like, his soulmate died. And so Shang is a good, like, a couple years older than Mulan. And you get a scene from Mulan's uh, POV where he comes up to her and he's basically, like, uh, like, he's about to turn 30 and he's like, I'll I'll wait for you if you want. Like, we both don't have matches. So, like, like you said, Bren, like, they could have a thing together, whether, whether if, even if it's not, like, the love maybe that they would expect from their soulmate, like they could have sort of like a mutual like companionship and partnership. And so he waits like all of these years and Mulan, like as she's like ticking towards her 30th birthday, she just feels this like weight over her because she doesn't want to marry him at all. She's like, I don't like men in the slightest. Like this isn't what I want for myself. Um, But like she knows it's sort of her like obligation to get married. And so why not have it be to him? Um, and then, yeah, right before she turns 29 is when this merchant ship comes back from Arendelle. And it's like, what's up, Mulan? We found your soulmate. Um, which, yeah, you know, at the time I was just like, wow, great for Mulan. But now, like, now you're making me kind of sad about Shay. Like, I know it's not the point, you know? Like, I didn't want to be sad for this man. But I was. Like, I couldn't help it. I got sad thinking about, like, all those years that he had waited. Not necessarily, like, romantically for Mulan, but just, like... You know, like, he had this idea of of what his life was going to be, and now it's like, oh, Shang, you got fucked over so many times. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry, bro. Like, it's not, like, it's not these people intentionally fucking him over. It's just, like, life and destiny, like, leaving him behind, I guess. <laughs> wow, that is really hardcore. <laughs> but, like, listen, yes, I feel sad for him, but on the other hand, I am like, wow, I'm so happy oh, for yeah, Mulan. absolutely. That- she got to find Elsa because um, I don't know I mean like in those years where she's waiting for Shang like she there like she trains some boys from the military like some boys who I think have like their marks are, are messed up in one way or another um, and she like brings them back to her family home so that her mother has someone to dote on and like there's a character little brother that ends up like going with her when she sails on this like year-long journey to Arendelle and like that whole bit 
I just really loved. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, for so much of it, Mulan is, I don't want to say struggling, but she's she's not totally happy with, like, where she's at or what she's doing, and she's not enthused about the idea of her future. Um, and yet you can see, like, the care that she is putting into her life in the here and now, and, like, it was just such an interesting take on what Mulan would be doing after the events of her movie, and specific, like, what would she be doing if she lived in a canon in which soulmates were real? Um, so I don't know. I liked that a lot as well. Yeah, I think one thing that I really, really liked about this fic was that I really liked where the author took Elsa and Mulan's relationship, because I think it would have been so easy for them to meet and immediately be like, oh, wow, my beautiful female soulmate whom I love, let's ride off into the gay sunset together. And like, do they eventually ride off into the gay sunset together? Like, in my heart, definitely. I um, hope so. Yeah, that's the dream. Uh, and like, the way this fic leaves off, it's technically complete, but it's not like... This is for sure. Like, I feel like the author could write another chapter now if they wanted to. They probably won't. It's been a long time since it was updated and completed, but maybe someday. Bookwinder, if you're listening, I'm I'm interested. <laughs> uh, but, like, I don't know. I think I loved so much the way in which they were so not tentative with each other necessarily, but there definitely was a hesitance and a a slow trying to get to know each other when there is this like big language and cultural barrier but also like neither of them had really been with a woman before so that we got a little bit of that kind of uh repressed gay emotion um and just like some parts of it also were so romantic like elsa gives mulan a rose made out of ice wow the bit too like you you find out from Elsa's POV that she, like, did this, and, like, for her, that's a big step, and then you get sort of a backtracking, because you get Mulan's POV when she, like, arrives to the castle, and everything sort of rewinds, and you get everything from her perspective, and then, like, when she's in the room, and she, like, feels a cold creeping up, and turns around, and, like, sees this, like, perfect, like, crystalline frozen yeah. flower forming in the air in front of her, like, wow, the romance of it all. Yeah, and, like, this, the, when they both met, like, initially, you, you sort of see in both of their heads that they're like, oh... I'm too dangerous. Like, she must be afraid <laughs> of me. Um, and at a certain point, Mulan is like, you don't have to be afraid of me. And Elsa's like, haha. Um, and just like starts sprouting ice up the walls. <laughs> and it's like, it is you who should be afraid of me, actually. And it's like, oh, what if both of you were not afraid of each other, though, and you were just badass together? Wow. Oh. So, Love Worth Waiting For is a really wonderful, delicate, kind of sad, but mostly hopeful story about the two most logical Disney characters that you would ship together being <laughs> soulmates. Um, I was so excited to find it um, and be able to read it and share it. So if you are intrigued, highly recommend checking it out. Otherwise, hey, thanks for listening to this conversation. Yeah, so that wraps up my birthday episode. Um, thank you both so much for indulging me with some Soulmates fix. Um, even though we picked, I think, three Soulmate fix that had um, maybe standard like tropes with the whole like name or soul mark thing, I think the fix themselves were very, very different. Um, and I enjoyed them all quite a lot. Um, as ever, if you would like to find us on the interwebs, you can do so just about anywhere at FitClick. So we are on Twitter at FitClick. 
We are on Tumblr at FitClick. We are available by email at fitclickpod at gmail.com. Um, we have a Discord server, which you can find on our Twitter if you want to come chat and hang out and talk to some lovely ficlets who also love fan fiction. You can also leave us a review on Apple. It really, really helps us out so much. It helps new listeners find us um, and also just makes us happy. We also have some merch up on Redbubble designed by Brenna. It is very cute if I say so myself. So consider checking that out. The link is also, you guessed it, on our Twitter. So yeah, with that, I think uh, we can get into our picks for next episode. No theme this time, just back to our regular old three fics. Um, Brenna, what you got? Yeah, so mine is going to be a fic called Incomplete by Astolat. It is a fic for the Witcher video game series, and it is Geralt Emmer, even though it's actually told from the outsider POV of Dandelion. Reed, what's yours? Get ready, y'all. I am bringing a fic for none, none other than simply, I think, the best movie to ever grace cinema or ever will grace cinema. <laughs> it's a fic for Pacific Rim. Um, wow, genuinely, this movie is so near and dear to my heart. So I'm super excited about this one. And the fic I am bringing is The Naming of Foxes by Tylan, and it is Raleigh Mako. Nick, what about you? So for our next episode, I'm bringing Make Me Feel Like I'm Set on Fire by O. Coventry. Um, it is a fic for the book Girls of Paper and Fire, and it is a Lay Wren fic. Uh, just a note about this one, if you do decide to read it, because um, the tags say that it is canon compliant, canon era, during canon, um, but there's not tags about like the content there necessarily. So um, the, the book itself does deal pretty heavily with forced prostitution and sexual violence. So just like take care of yourselves in that regard if you want to read this before we discuss it. All right. So there you have it. Those are our picks for our next episode, which comes out August 7th. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.